Happy Monday. I hope you are all doing fantastic. I'm finally back in Arizona after being out of town for around a month, so it feels good to be back in the studio. And today we have a juicy topic. And that is why the why OpenAI, specifically as it's training for ChatGPT4 and beyond, is currently not working on GPT-5. The reason for that, and also the reason why that might be a little bit of a deception, and why they say they are no longer going to be making bigger AI models. So let's kick the podcast off today. Um, a few, a few, a bunch of the stuff we're going to be talking about today is coming from some interviews Sam Altman, the CEO of OpenAI, did recently at MIT. Um, and he said that in this in, in this recent interview, he said that he thinks we're at the end of an era where it's going to be like these giant, giant models and that they're going to find ways to make or ways to make them better in other ways. This is really interesting. We're going to dive into what that means. Um, but essentially what he's saying is that this might be the end of um, when we just keep seeing these models get bigger and bigger and bigger. And this is interesting because they actually have not released how many parameters are in the GPT-4 model. Uh, when they came out with the first GPT-2, um, it was around 1.7 billion parameters. And when they came out with GPT-3, which is you know the regular chat GPT version that they uh, launched for mass production that everyone uh, first used back in December, January, that one had a whopping 175 billion parameters. So this thing went from like, uh, th this thing got massively bigger. And then when GPT-4 came out, they didn't actually announce how big it got. And my opinion on this is that, well, a couple things. Number one, they're probably trying to protect a little bit of their intellectual property. So not announcing how big the how big the model is, it, it could be like they just don't want people to know how big it is because it's so ginormous. Um, and the reason for that might be, you know, competitors might question, how did you get that much data? Um, you know, there's been recent uh, recent things. For example, when Elon bought Twitter, he shut off the Twitter API that was uh, directly feeding into OpenAI. So they were scraping like all the Twitter data in the universe. Um, and so I think that they may just have a really insane amount of data and they don't want people to know how big it is or um, perhaps how small it is and how they're able to effectively work on that. Um, and then the other interesting thought is perhaps it didn't actually get that much bigger than uh, GPT-3. They just figured out ways to fine tune it. But for all of these different cases, they just don't want people to know what they're doing. They don't want their competitors um, to know what they're doing because there has been a handful of really big competitors that have come out with a lot of money. There's Anthropic. Uh, Elon Musk is rumored to be working on something with uh Twitter to to create some AI models. There's obviously Google and a lot of different people are focusing um, Quora on making these big AI models. And so I think they just don't want people to know how many parameters they have, how they're able to make it so effective. Um, and there's also the op the possibility that maybe they just have such an insane amount of data that people would be um, mad, you know, that how did you gather all that data and yada yada. So Really interesting, but apparently these things are not going to get any bigger, aka OpenAI probably hit the max for how much just sheer data they can like suck into their vacuum um, beyond just getting new data. So as we know, everything got cut off in 2021, and beyond that, it's probably not a big, big deal if they're not updating things live because now they just plug the internet into it, and for anything newer than that, you'll just use internet to scrape um, and do searches and pull in relevant stuff like Google and Bing are currently doing. So it's going to be really interesting. Um, 
I think Altman, he, you know, his uh, statement pretty much suggests that ChatGPT might be the last major advance to emerge from um, just feeding these models more and more data. And other and the what the actual advancements we're going to start seeing now, because apparently uh, you're just getting diminishing returns as you scale up to more data, or may, maybe they already have so much that there isn't actually that much more to do. So I think the, the new ways we're going to start to see this progress um, is just from how we're using these transformers. So Nick Frost, who's a co-founder at Cohere, um, he previously worked at AI or worked on AI at Google. He says that when he, like listening to Altman talking about this, um, he thinks that uh, this is true and that he believes that the progress on these transformer models uh, that run, that are, you know, the the backbone of uh, ChatGPT and that uh, type of thing, um, that it really, that what's really going to make these things scale, he says, there's a lot of ways of making transformers way, way better and more useful, and lots of them don't involve adding parameters to the model. Um, he also says that he just thinks that uh, the architecture and further tuning based on human feedback are really promising directions that researchers are probably um, looking at right now to make these things more effective. And if you think about it, OpenAI and ChatGPT already have pretty much the biggest use case, user case um, on this, right? And Tesla was kind of in the same thing with their self-driving because they had all of these cars out on the road um, with self-driving and they're able to capture all of this data and see pretty much every time, I, uh, you know, for example, in the case of Tesla, if you got autopilot on and a user has to grab the steering wheel and take over, um, Tesla would be able to look at, you know, what was happening leading up to that, uh, like manual takeover. And that's essentially um, using human feedback to help tune the model and say, oh, it was doing something wrong. Therefore, the human had to take over. Um, and so, you know, I've been saying this for a long time with cars like Tesla. It's going to be hard for other people to catch up with the same level of self-driving because they just have such a massive user base. Um, feeding it data and ChatGPT is in the exact same position where they launched, um, you know, ChatGPT. They had over a hundred million monthly active users, probably way up from there. Um, and all of those users, you know, there's thumbs up, thumbs down on every single message that came out of ChatGPT. And so people were telling it bad answer, good answer. And so that was helping tune it. And in addition, you know, if someone asks a question and they rephrase it and ask it again, it also knows, hey, the first answer wasn't good. So they have all of these things kind of built in that they can use to fine tune it just from all of the users that they currently have. And so it might not actually be necessary for them to just keep scaling up with bigger and bigger data sets um, in addition to other fine tuning things. But the like the users, a literal human saying this was a good or a bad answer is one of the best ways that they can train these things and they just have the most they have the biggest user base and uh, it's going to be pretty hard for a lot of these other companies to catch up um, based off of that. So, it, you know, it's pretty interesting. Obviously, when GPT-4 was about to come out, there was all these memes and tech people, po you know, speculating and posting these like graphs of like GPT-4 or 3 was trained on, you know, 1.7 billion parameters. GPT-4 is going to be like way, way is a trillion parameters or something. We, we don't really know what GPT-4 is at and uh, it doesn't seem like it it really matters at this point so one other thing that is pretty interesting given all of this is that uh you know sam altman also said that the company isn't going to be training gpt5 they said we're not working on this for some time and it's interesting because this all comes on the back of you know elon musk and a lot of other tech people signing an open letter to you know the government but really and like the public at large but really obviously aimed at 
OpenAI, who's got the lead on this, saying no AI models beyond a GPT-4 capability should be trained, yada, yada. Um, OpenAI obviously didn't say, okay, sure, we're not going to do this because, you know, it's viewed Elon Musk, for example, is now starting a, it would appear starting an AI company. So it would appear that, you know, a lot of these companies calling for no more advancements are maybe trying to catch up anyways. So all it would do is benefit them. But what's really interesting is, uh, you know, Sam Altman obviously doesn't want the bad PR and, you know, doesn't want to be viewed as the guy that like ran, um, blindfolded straight into some giant AI disaster. So he he obviously wants to appear to be, uh, you know, taking things in a measured and deliberate manner. So, I mean, kudos to him on this. But he said, you know, we're not working on GPT-5 at the moment. We're just working on training or like improving GPT-4. And boom, I think that's that's the big, uh, that's the big, that's the elephant in the room kind of, or I guess the big surprise, the big secret, whatever you want to call it. Like improving GPT-4 is like, essentially working on the next version of of ai now i'm not saying that's a bad thing i'm just saying it's funny that people are like oh good he's not working on gpt5 but it's like what's the difference of gpt 4.5 gpt 4.6 like you could just keep calling it gpt 4 point something and essentially it could be what other people would have called gpt 5 6 7 or 8 it's kind of funny i mean you see the same thing with the iphone right it's like this misconception that if the number got better the model got better um and it must be like so much better like you know with the iphone 10 comes out and then the iphone 11 comes out or whatever it's like a lot of the times you know these iphones aren't actually that different and um the reverse seems to be true where you just don't have to label it a bigger number with like gpt4 gpt5 and all of a sudden uh you know people are like oh cool you're not going to gpt5 when you know it's (laughs) there's no different right you already connected the internet to gpt4 and created plugins and created all this crazy stuff that might be gpt10 but uh, we're just calling it lower things. So I think that's, uh, I mean, good job for PR <laughs> control, uh, you know, damage control for open AI. Um, and personally, I think, uh, you know, improving it obviously has to be done for a lot of different things, making sure that it's safe and uh, capable. But I think it's just a misconception that like people are celebrating if they cared about AI advancement, you know, that GPT-5 isn't in the works. So I think uh, it's not really... Uh, it's not really saying much by that statement, but it is interesting. Um, and it is interesting to note that uh, given the previous conversation, it would appear that GPT-5, even when they do start working on it, probably isn't going to be much bigger as far as parameters and data goes um, than GPT-4. So really interesting to see what's going on with all of this uh, advancements in AI, in tech. It's going to be an interesting space to watch and to see what exactly these improvements in GPT-4 are in the future. Thank you for listening to today's podcast episode, breaking down how AI is impacting your industry. Today's episode is sponsored by AIbox, a no-code AI app builder and marketplace, which just launched a crowdfunding campaign. If you are interested in investing in a new AI startup, you can go to republic.com slash AI box. I'll leave a link in the show notes as well to learn more. The minimum investment is $150 and the maximum investment is $100,000. Until next time, have a fantastic day.